Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We want to make sure you know more about our sponsor, Healing Insight Acupuncture and Holistic Medicine in St. Paul, Minnesota. Owner Senya May and her team of practitioners are dedicated to health and wellness, and part of that is making sure that our metabolisms are working efficiently. Lots of messaging about weight loss tells us that we should just be exercising more and eating less, but what if you feel like your metabolism is broken? Senya focuses on balancing your body and repairing your metabolism, which means that weight loss feels effortless again. After more than a decade of working with patients on their digestion and metabolism, the Healing Insight team developed a proprietary acupuncture method for weight loss, one that nobody else in the country is using. Their holistic metabolic acupuncture programs combine specialty acupuncture techniques with herbal medicine to repair your metabolism, restore your energy and digestion, and stimulate your fat cells to burn more efficiently. So my mom, Susie, went to Senya for help before my sister's wedding and raves about this program. She says, not only did I lose those extra pounds that had crept up, but my energy level was off the charts. I love feeling balanced. Stop the ups and downs and visit HealingInsightOnline.com to see Senia's gorgeous new website and learn about healing your metabolism and all of the other women's health treatments available. That's HealingInsightOnline.com. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. This is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. And as we are having a conversation today, Marjorie, as has happened several times in the last year or so, there have been plans that we've wanted to talk about and then something significant in the world that we feel like we have to address. And your perspective on the violence at the Capitol which happened yesterday as we're recording this is something I was thinking about because of your, you have such a, such a connection to that place that is unique that a lot of people don't have. Well, my connection starts when I was 17 years old and I've talked a little bit about this before. I don't talk about it a lot because it seems so long ago and it was, <laughs> I was uh, my senior of high school. I was a congressional page and which means for me, I got promoted to be what's called a cloakroom page, which is the cloakroom is a little room right off the house floor where we fielded all calls, incoming and outgoing calls to the media and to anybody who needed to know about what was happening on the floor when we were in session. So when we were in session, when the House of Representatives was in session, I was working and the cloakroom historically is the place there were literally like day beds in the cloakroom where the members could catch a nap. There were private phone booths where the members could make calls. So it was kind of where the members, and I worked on the Democratic side, where the members sort of hung out. When they weren't on the floor, they could hang out. And there was a little lunch counter back there that was run by a man named Raymond who took such good care of me. Mm. And so yesterday, I just... 
it was so sad for me, mostly because I just felt so sad for all the people that were so scared. So this is exactly how I felt, Marjorie. They were so scared. And I have to tell you, moving to Washington, D.C. at 17, in those days, there was no real oversight of the pages outside of work. So imagine you're 17 years old, you're moving to Washington, D.C., you're all, I was all by myself, you know, yeah. and you sort of make your way outside of work. And so for me, school, I went to school from 530 until the house was in session in the Library of Congress. That's where our classrooms were. And then we would walk over to the Capitol and that's where I worked. And because I was so young, I felt really big and important but I was emotionally 17. The capital became a place of safety. I always knew I was safe there. The capital police were so sweet to the pages because we were all, I mean, imagine this, Elizabeth, there were pages that were 13 years old. Yeah. So we, they were just so good and kind to us. And then I had obviously bosses that worked on the house floor with me. I had three bosses that were in the cloakroom with me that took such kind care of me. I was the only girl in the cloakroom. They would always only allow one in. There were five, I think, five other boy pages. But and they then one had, girl? And they ha- kind of had to let a girl in. Okay, um, that irritates me, but we'll continue on. <laughs> well, I was less irritated because I was that girl. So, <laughs> um, so because the members in those days were primarily men. Yeah. And so because it was a place of where the members of Congress could be comfortable and where they could have conversations and where they would eat and talk, they liked to kind of keep it a boys club. But but by that time in 1980, whatever that was, they allowed a girl in. And actually, it, it just I just kept thinking, for me, I would go to work and there were so many people that were watching over me. And I felt safe there. And so I just kept thinking about the moment when even the members of Congress and all of the staff people, because in Washington, the staffs are so young. I just kept thinking, I'm so sorry you're so scared. Yeah. I'm so sorry you're so scared. And then just on the building alone, I realized that the country has lots of problems. And I realized that I have had in so many ways, whether... I fought for it or it was just given to me because of my color or because I was a woman at the right time, which is a weird thing to say. I know that I have been privileged and I was privileged to work there, but it's one of the most beautiful spaces you could ever imagine. And as a page, I could roam wherever I wanted to go. I know all the nooks and crannies of that building. I've been on the top of the Capitol raising up the flag. I didn't raise it. I was with the flag page. Um, <laughs> but I just, it's such a, it's such a beautiful, beautiful place. And I know that the legislators and congressmen and women and the senators have, haven't always done their best to fight for everybody. But that capital is all of ours. Yeah. And I wish that people could feel like it was theirs in the most positive way that I feel it. And so when people were running through it and sort of desecrating it, I'm grateful that they didn't do more damage. I just, I hope that going forward, whether you're a woman, a man, gay, straight, black, white, Latino, 
Asian, whatever, Native, whatever you are, that that place can feel as much of a home to you as it did to me. Because it's important that we move forward. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, uh, it's so hard for me on this one to even figure out where to go. And I think at this point, we've been through so much. And I think particularly here in Minneapolis, we've had a lot that's hit really close to home here. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, and I think that feeling is what you're feeling about the Capitol. I certainly don't have that connection to the building. That being said, that feeling of being afraid in a place where you work to me seems like a worst nightmare. And because where you work, if you, if you work full time somewhere, I mean, even if you work part time somewhere, that place becomes an extension of your home. I mean, that becomes, those people become like your family and that place becomes a place where you feel, feel comfortable, where you have your little spots, where you eat, where you hopefully have a space where you put up little photos of your family. (laughs) Um, you know, I think seeing people's offices disrespected was, is, was troubling to me. Um, and I've worked in media for a long time and you've worked in media for a long time. And so there's always been a little bit of that fear working in media that something like that and not like a protest. I mean, maybe a protest, but somebody disgruntled would come to the, your workplace and cause chaos. That's essentially what happened here. Disgruntled people showing up, causing chaos and instilling fear and and that's not acceptable. And that well, pe- was what is, that's what is so, so terrifying. I mean, people being shot in the Capitol. Yeah. Um, it's just so horrific. And we don't know the stories of who was shot, the full stories of who these people were that were shot. Loss of life is sad. And I, I, I won't say anything more than that because I don't know anything about them. Yeah. But I know... For whatever reason, they were there and doing what they did. It was misguided, which I, even as I say that, is an understatement. Right. But I just, my heart really, really just lies with all of the people crouching under their desks, crouching in corners. It it just, it really just, it's just so, so sad. And I think... All through all of this, we kept waiting for a tipping point. When is enough going to be enough? Mm-hmm. When is the hate speech going to be enough for it to stop? And I, I hope, I hope that this was it. I hope that our leadership, our senators, our Congress people, will understand that we want progress. We want goodness. We want help and that all of these distractions have done nothing for the majority of this country. It's but a hard, this, it's, yeah, it's been a hard time. It's a hard, yep. you know, I kept thinking, Marjorie, I was like, I, I, what kept coming into my mind this morning was when I was a kid and I would try to understand the Vietnam War yeah. and like what was happening in our country during that time. And my parents were both very young during that. So my right. parents were born in 1954 and 1955. Oh, yeah. And they, oh, yeah, they were and, right in the thick of it. Yeah, but they were still like, 
I don't know. They talk about being kind of insulated from it just in terms of where they lived. But I remember my dad talking about like the experience of soldiers coming home and then just so much unrest and so much division. Right. And so just this feeling of unsettled all the time. And and this is the only that's like the only thing that I can then relate this time to is that that's where we are, that like my children someday will ask about that and go, well, what happened when that happened? You know, what was going on? Right. What what was, what were you thinking? What were you feeling? And then, um, and then I'll have to talk about it. (laughs) And I I cry now just talking about anything that has happened in the last few months. And I think our children might ask, what did you do? Yeah. What did you yes. do when what all did of this you was do? going? What yeah. did you do? And I think this is is such an such an interesting time in understanding what our role is. Even even doing best to the nest. What's our role in talking about good citizenship? Mm-hmm. What's our role in talking about how we raise children? to be contributing positive loving members of the community that they're in because this is what it looks like when people aren't yeah you're right you're right in the meantime i went back to work marjorie <laughs> oh please and, um, let's talk about because i was so and proud yesterday of you. the show was totally preempted um because of all of the coverage of the of the violence at the capitol right and and I, I was sitting there thinking like, boy, I've been gone for three months and I'm back and here we are still here. It's, right. you know, it was really right. interesting because when I left, our show was being preempted all the time for coverage of different things. Um, oh, weird. When it was over the summer, you know, it was the, the riots in the wake of the death of George Floyd and the protests there. And then, of course, all of the continuing COVID coverage. And I just felt a little bit like I was in Groundhog's Day. Like, <laughs> all this stuff happened to me personally. I birthed a human. I have, <laughs> like, gotten him to three months. And then I come back and I'm like, oh, and... This I kind of jokingly said because at some point what you have to say something sort of amusing or what will you do? You will break down and cry, right? Exactly. About the state of everything. Which is what I just did. Yeah. So I jokingly said like, I thought you guys would have had all these problems solved by the time I got back. (laughs) You didn't. Um, And and so so here we are. So I'm a few days in. And surprisingly, Marjorie, I'm doing quite well. Thanks for asking. (laughs) I you know what? I love hearing that because it's a miracle. Well, I you you posted the night before and I texted I cried you, in the kitchen that night, Sunday oh, night. No doubt. And yeah, I so I texted you right away because I thought, "Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, it's going to be so hard." And so the fact that you're doing well is it beautiful? How are you doing well? That's the big you know, question. I've learned a few things. So this is my third time going back after yes. maternity leave. And um, I just keep doing it. And so 
This is the third time, and I've I've learned a little bit, and so I thought that it might be kind of helpful to share because Please. I know there are a lot of people who listen to Best to the Nest who are either, you know, I keep hearing from women who are like, I was pregnant at the same time as you, or I'm pregnant oh. now, or or and then we hear from grandmas who say, I told my daughter to listen to that episode. So I thought some of these things might be helpful, and I also think that this is really the pinnacle. When you are coming back from maternity leave, it is the pinnacle of needing to put yourself and your family first and then figure out how to fit your job in, too. Right. And employers, I think it's impo- employers important. Employers hate hearing that. Hate, hate hearing, hearing that. that. Yes. But that's but the reality. it's really important to empower women to feel yeah. that way. Because, yeah, frankly, I, I think we've been getting the raw end of the deal ever since we started going to work. A collective we, as in (laughs) Um, for a myriad of reasons, but in particular because in America we have sold this bill of goods that says that we are supposed to birth children, be amazing mothers, and then just wrap them up in something cute, drop them, and be perfectly fine going back to work and being 100% at both things. Can I share something with you, which I think you may have a perspective on, but you may be too young? Do you remember a magazine called Working Woman Magazine? Yeah, I think I've seen the cover, but I have never read it. Okay, so this was a really big magazine, and I've got to look up the title, make sure I've got the title right, in the, gosh, when I was having babies, so late 80s, 90s, perhaps. I I didn't look this up in advance, so a lot of this I'm just doing from memory. I just inexplicably, I won't go into the story, was having dinner with one of the former editors of Working Woman Magazine. Oh, great. And she said exactly that. Yeah. We sold everybody a bill of goods. Yes. We acted like this could be done, and it can't. It that the, can't. the idea that you can have this high-powered career and your kids are going to be great and everything is going to be smooth and fine all the time. Now, can you do it? Yes, but what the magazine didn't get into was the home side of it. Right. Like, how do you make that happen? How, what are the give, what's the give and go of that? There was no nuance to it. It was just very much about... Get back in the workforce and be great. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yes. not that easy. It's just not that easy. No, it's not that easy and it's not fair. It's just not fair. There's a lot of times that I go like, this isn't fair, but particularly with women <laughs> going back to work because it's the weight on a mother is different than a weight on a father because yeah. of cultural expectations and because of what it takes to get humans into the world. Newsflash, they don't come out of men. They come out of women. So <laughs> it takes a lot more from us to get these yeah. tiny people into the world than it does for a man. That's just the way that it is biologically. And, and I think psychologically there's something different about how we feel about those babies in the world. I think we – like I, there was a writer, and I, I can't remember her name right now, who talked about like a child is virtually your heart walking, walking around, around outside in the of world. your body. Yeah, yeah outside of your body yes. in the world. Yep. And, and I love that. I don't have the quote exactly right because that's exactly how it feels. And I don't know, and I'm, men don't get angry with me. I don't know that men feel it exactly the same way. Well, Marjorie, of course not. I mean, and that's just statistics will back that up. I mean, statistically, do more men abandon their babies than women? Yes, of Ew. course. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's just the truth of the matter. But to when you all look of the at men, like, are there more absentee dads than absentee moms? Yeah. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and so you can credit that to biology or culture or a combination of the two, which is what I would probably go with. Right. Um, but that's so with that, with that connection comes responsibility. I mean, there's a weight that comes along yeah, right. with Huge. that. And I'm not saying it's easy for men to walk away from their children, no. but and I'm saying it's easier for them than it is for women. I don't I, I don't want to say that. Because I don't know that I don't know that to be true, and there are lots of amazing fathers. And I'm thinking of my own husband, who, if he heard me say that, would be out of his head. But collectively, men, and I'm not saying specifics. I'm saying right. collectively, as a men versus a, a woman, a woman, it 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 has to be easier, Marjorie. Otherwise, it wouldn't be. It has well, to be. Well, I mean, and it, I think just for me, a nod to all the great dads. Now go on. To your point. Because <laughs> I feel bad for them, but not to your You're point. You're always better at defending the man than I am. <laughs> defending the man. But to your point. And how many I think times do I say down with the patriarchy on this podcast yes, compared I to you? I say it. I say it a lot. And that's okay. I, I will live it with that. Okay. So, it is anyway, okay. Anyway, so that's where we're at. So, you know, there's a lot kind of loaded into going back. That right. being said, I've learned a few things over the last few times that I have done this. Okay, so... This is the most successful that I've been. Now I'm only a few days in, but a few days is, is, <laughs> it's a lot. It's telling because I yes. will tell you the first time I went back, I went back the first day and then the second day. And by the fourth day, I was calling Jay on my way home from work, crying in the car oh. saying, I have to quit everything. I can't do this. Oh. I just want you to know. I mean, that is real truth of what was going on. And it right. probably went on. I think it went on for three months, which probably means it went on for like one month of me calling him crying every single day when I was on my way home. It was so difficult for me to go back. And I am coming from the most privileged of privilege that you can possibly get. I have a job I love. It is not shoveling coal in a mine. It is a very fun job. And I'm well compensated for it. And And you had care that you felt pretty darn good about. Really good about. Yeah. I mean, right. it was new, so that was scary, but, but at the time, but it was still good care. Right. And I had support and all those things. So let's just, even with all of the odds stacked in my favor, I was still feeling really overwhelmed. The right. second time it was still, it was similar where it felt, I don't know if I can do this. Right. This time it has felt so much better. I cried in the kitchen on Sunday night. And then by Monday, I started to kind of go, okay, let's do this. And here are a couple of the things that I've realized that have helped that the week last weekend. I mean, I really had conversations with Jay about like what needed to happen and how much more he needed to be contributing and he contributes, but it was just like, it's just, it it was going to be impossible for me to keep up with the things that I was keeping up with even while on maternity leave when I went back to work. Food, for example. Laundry, for example. Even just like we have to do our will. Like he has to do that stuff. There's things that like I just can't do. So setting expectations and having a real conversation. And I kind of find Jay's a former athlete, so he's really into like the team and the coaching thing. So if I can be like, here's how we need to be a team, like I want us to be a team, that's like speaking his language, Marjorie. I mean, he is like, tell me how I can be on the team and what uniform are we wearing? (laughs) 
That is actually a very big thing you just said for women who are trying to figure out how they can, in a very healthy, positive way, let their husband know that they need help and to make and this, I don't want, I'm trying, I'm speaking carefully because I don't want it to sound like we're trying to manipulate the men because we're not. No, but, but it's how you, to communicate that message and how to yep. get on the same page. I mean, yep. I communication love is everything. I love that. I love that. How I do I be on the is, team? Yeah, no kidding. And I think it's important to just know, to understand, and and that might not drive your partner. But what but does? If you can figure out what does drive them you will all be happier in the long run, right? Yeah. It's like a love language kind of a thing, you know? It it's exactly just... is. And that's, I think there, I think jerseys need to be made. Yeah. I, jerseys need to be made. Yeah, I do. I think, <laughs> I think you got to go all in on this team thing. <laughs> I think also asking for help at work, which is hard. The other thing that I did was I took on way too much the first time I came back. I took on like this weird radio schedule thinking that it would be good and then it wasn't. And then what? I was, it was just... Very, very challenging the first time. The This time, I've just been really clear that this is what I need. And here, and even just little things, like I just didn't take on every responsibility that I generally handle. Like there's a tease that I do every day in a newscast. At, it's called our midday newscast from 11 to noon. Right. And I do a tease for what's coming up on Twin Cities Live. And I said to the team, I, I just can't do it the first week back. Right. And they said, great. Okay, we'll keep doing it how we've been doing it. And then we'll move on to the next week. And I think that was really smart because I didn't feel stretched right away. I feel like, okay, I'm doing one thing and I'm going to focus on that. And then I'm going to add another thing and add another thing. And I think there's that expectation that you like one day are home with your baby full time. And then the next day you're you just full time thrown in. It's unrealistic. And I think it leads to women leaving the workforce because you, you feel like, you can't do it. And if you are not making enough money where it's worth it for you to work, where you're going like, I'm paying for childcare and then I'm working and I'm like netting a few Nothing. hundred dollars a month. I yeah. mean, what's the point of this? Like right. cancel Netflix and I'm not doing this anymore. Well, I think what's important too is all of that is, is the idea of easing back to work. Yes. But part of that, what I think is a growth a growth moment for you is the idea that you are enough yeah and this is what you can give right now and being able to reconcile and if i overstep here tell me cuz i'm now going to analyze you <laughs> i like it it's good i think what what the growth is is that idea of i don't have to do everything to make sure that I'm doing everything. Does that yeah. make sense? Like, yes. I, just having known you as long as I have, yeah. I've never, you are the one of the hardest working people I know. You leave nothing on the table. And I think for whatever reason, you felt good doing that in your 20s. I think it was that sort of that climb. Yeah. Of, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to. I mean, for people who don't work in media, media is so competitive and you do feel like you've got to do it all to get yourself to that next level, to the next level, to the next level. Yep, you do. And you did that. And I think it's a good realization to understand not only that you cannot do it, but that you don't have to do it mm -hmm. and that you won't be judged for that. No, that you won't, that, that it's actually just, it's fine. 
and it's yeah. appreciated. Yeah. And it should be the expectation. I mean, I would love to see, I mean, you know me, I would love to see a, a nationwide longer maternity leave policy. I think that's very, very important. Yeah. I think yeah. we've got, and we've got to figure out something better to support moms and families. And then I also would like to see an at the very least, I'd like to see an ease back in where if you're going to have a certain amount of time off, you're just not thrown into it your full time that week. It's like yep. an ease back in. I think all of those things can just help the transition. The other thing. Well, remember that- this too. Remember this too, Elizabeth. What you do in terms of how you ease back into a maternity after a maternity leave you are modeling behavior for the women behind you. It's so true. Yeah, we are young producers, and that's you absolutely what they'll do. ask for. Yeah, and I think that I think that's important for women to remember too. That if you, whatever you do, if you can make strides within a company that allow the company to be more open to easing back in, mm-hmm. understanding how difficult it is, that that helps the women behind you. It's important. Yeah, yeah it totally does. It's a principle of the thing. Um, exactly. I said this on the air the other day. And, and then my boss, Mandy said, I just, this is what I need to do too, because she's, everybody's balancing a lot right now, regardless of whether you're coming back from maternity leave. I mean, she's got, she's got two kids and they're not, you know, one's not in school and the whole thing, which is what I'm dealing with too. I mean, I'm also managing kindergarten at, at this time (laughs) as well. So tis, tis a challenge. Um, but I said, I'm just taking it a half an hour at a time. I am literally looking at the calendar. I'm looking at my phone, my calendar, and I am just thinking, what am I doing in the next half hour? And that's it. And I am not really thinking that much past that. I mean, we're having a little powwow every night about the next day. Right. Uh, Okay, what's happening tomorrow? How are we getting everyone to where they need to be and what time and what are we doing and who's accomplishing what? But but for as far as my work goes, I'm just looking at a half an hour. This is what I'm going to get done in a half an hour, in this half hour, and then I'll assess the next half hour after that. And I have found that to be, I mean, I'm not even taking it hour by hour. It's half hour (laughs) by half hour. That's good. That's good. It's it's helpful. I think the other thing that's helped me a lot, and I hope any first-time moms, I know it's really hard to internalize this when you're a first-time mom, is that it's just not always going to be this hard, that you your baby will grow and become less dependent right. on you. I mean, there's just like it's so hard at the beginning and if you're nursing or if you're pumping or whatever you're doing and you're feeling like, "Oh my gosh, I have to do this 2 hours a day or every 2 hours every yeah. day. How am I going to get this done?" That that feeling that it's not going to always be this hard is really is some of that perspective I think you can only get when you have other children in hindsight, because you're able to understand this is going to go so fast. There's just no way to know it, especially because I think a lot of young moms, I know I was a little bit isolated. I wasn't living near my family. So I wasn't living near my sisters. I wasn't living near any, I didn't have a group of women that were all having babies at the same time, or certainly what would have been helpful is uh, another woman who was on her second or third child. I know. Who really, like you're telling women out there, it won't always be this hard. I mean, I, I've said this before of just standing in the pediatrician's office when we lived in Nashville and I just had Gar and the child never slept and just like <laughs> sobbing in the pediatrician's oh. office. Like, I'm so tired. I'm just so tired. And he just looks and he's like, put the baby in the crib and go to sleep. <laughs> just, <laughs> 
go get some sleep. But you don't know because you just, you don't know what you don't know. And no. you're exactly right. It won't always be this hard. It no, won't always it won't. be this hard. I think meal prep, takeout, ordering meals is another big thing that if you can do it and you can swing it, get it done. I mean, even just planning dinner and then starting to split up some of that stuff. We've got a flank steak marinating in the fridge right now, and Jay's going to cook it up tonight. I actually ordered meals for the two of us for next week, kind of accidentally, because I forgot to cancel our meal delivery (laughs) service. That's good. Um, but That's I, good. But then I thought, you know what? This is sort of a blessing that this happened. That right. ne- this week we were able to sort of piece it together. And then next week, I know it'll feel a little bit more of like in the grind. And oh my gosh, this is going on and on. So just taking that off the table, that lunch and dinner for me and Jay is handled. That That's right. handled. And then we'll whip up some easy things for the kiddos. And if they eat chicken tenders and a smoothie all week, then they do. And they'll be fine. Great. Yeah, they'll be. Yeah, fine. that was the smoothies were my coping mechanism. Oh, in in the nineties, I I put everything I put everything that I thought my children were missing in my lousy meal preparation into a smoothie. <laughs> so I always knew they were covered. They were covered. Well, it, it was inelegant, but they were covered. And I think for people who may not be able to afford some of what you're talking about, yeah, yeah, I have had friends that would make Sunday cooking day. Yep. For the week. And I think that that's another way to handle that craziness. If you like, it's a really nice thing if you like to cook. If you don't, it just makes Sunday sort of a day of treachery. But that's if, true. You, if you like to cook, I, I've known a couple of people, including my son who does not have children, obviously, but that's what he usually does. He's funny. He'll cook everything he needs for the week on Sunday, but it's one thing. So he'll yeah. eat the same thing all week. But that it's sounds done. terrible, but okay. But I like it. I, I like but the idea done. behind it. Yeah. 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 I think so too. Even just doubling up on things, like if yeah. you're making lasagna, split it into two pans instead of one big giant nine by That's 13, because then yeah. you can freeze half of it. I do that all the time. I make soup and then freeze an extra quart of it so that it's just frozen and I can just then, Jay and I can just have that for lunch or I can have it for a quick lunch. I mean, some of those strategies of making a little extra and then tossing it in the freezer can make a big deal. But also, you know, and I'm, t- and meal delivery, it's amazing when you do start to break it down by meal. It's not quite as expensive as you think because it's way cheaper than takeout. But yes. And a lot of times when you buy all the ingredients to make something, it ends up pretty expensive anyway. You know what well, I mean? Well, I will tell you. So when I was doing the radio show, one of my long term one of my long term sponsors of the show was a company called Seattle Sutton. Yeah. And so I ate that for years. It's it's really not about necessarily about dieting. Seattle Sutton was really about it is a certain amount of calorie management, but it was also just making sure that you're eating well. And my mother is home now in her place in Chicago. One of us have been living with her at all different times. So she's got a daughter there with her most times, but we're trying to figure out independence and what that can look like and how much independence she can have. But one of the things we did right away, because she wasn't eating much, I mean, she was five seven and she was down to under 100 pounds. I mean, she was oh, just man. tiny. So yeah. we were trying to figure out nutrition and all those things. And I'm like, hey, let's just get her Seattle Sutton, get her back on a routine. It's variety. And then when she's well enough, she'll be able to do it for herself. Yeah. And so that's what she does. And I think she does... It's like four days of meals and it's like $100. And to your point, when you really break it down for someone like her, 
I actually think it might work out to be a little bit cheaper because she's yeah. not buying any ingredients. And it's, but it's just super easy. It's super and easy. She's not it's wasting things. If, if you're only one person, she's not wasting, not wasting stuff, things. buying a bunch I mean, it's, and throwing it out. It's more complicated for a family, but all of that having been said, there are ways to do this so that it's easier. I had a, I did an interview with a chef a couple months ago and he was talking about what he has brought from his restaurant training home. He's got young children. He's got three young children, almost exactly the same age as yours, Elizabeth. Oh, fun. And he was talking about meal prep. And he was like, if you think about it, it's this amount of meals every week. And he just started going through how he organizes what they eat. And these kids eat, like your kids, they eat so well. <laughs> and when he started to talk about how he breaks it down almost in the same way that he would do it in terms of restaurant management and planning meals, I thought that is the piece that I never did very well as a mother. And that if you really do, and I think you do this really well as a mom, if you plan, it's so much easier. Yeah. Then if you just so are like, better. oh my God, what's for dinner tonight? Oh my God. It, that's you're, a stressor. Because you're wasting so much, and you're wasting yeah. so much mental space yeah. and energy and it's exhausting and it feels overwhelming. Yeah. I have a board in our kitchen and it lists all the days it's of the week. So and then I just write on it with a little um, marker that I then erase it every week and then write on it. And then we know, we know what we're doing. Right. I think coming up with a work uniform or getting some help with styling. I work in TV. It's a visual medium. So I, I do have help styling outfits, which is helpful. Right. But I mean, you can go to any store and someone there will help you style outfits. That's what they do when they work at the store. It's or just really prepare wonderful. the people prepare the people that you work with that you are going to wear the same thing. Or you're gonna every wear the same thing. Day. Yeah. Taking that out of the equation, that is another <laughs> helpful thing. And then I realized too, we have three kids now and someone's gonna be crying at any given moment. <laughs> And if it's only one, then that's fine. If no that's one's crying, win. that's really amazing. It's really not that much time that we're all together that someone isn't crying because <laughs> they're six and three and a newborn. And so oh, they cry. You know, I mean, this morning things were peaceful for a minute. And then Bernie came downstairs crying because Heathcliff hit her in the face and he's a baby. <laughs> so... Sorry. Then, and then someone doesn't want to get their shoes on, so they're crying. And then Heathcliff starts crying. And then I can feel myself teetering on the edge of crying. Someone's going to be crying. And if you just sort of acknowledge that someone is crying regularly, then it's okay. And you don't feel so alarmed by it. And I actually was reading this book that was recommended to me. It's a book about breastfeeding that was recommended to me by Kate Doubler, the Real Food RN, who's been on our podcast before. And it said, if you have a colicky baby, that you should get some earplugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it will drive Legit, you mad. Because it'll drive you crazy. And it'll yeah. start to just make you so irritated. And I was actually thinking about that for Jay, because Jay will get a little bit more sensitive to the noise than I do. And right. in our kitchen in particular, I, our kitchen is beautiful and I love it. But there's very little fabric. There's very little sound absorbers. So it bounces. So it bounces. And yeah. so when someone's in there crying and yelling... It's very loud. Right. And I thought, like, maybe I'll just get some kitchen earplugs, and then I'll just put the earplugs <laughs> in. And when everybody's piped up, I'll just have those in, and it'll be fine. Okay. I'm going to lay something else in front of you here, and don't <laughs> yell at me. Or don't start crying. Don't start crying. But I had a friend who taught her baby sign language, mm -hmm. and it cut down significantly on the baby crying. I know. They teach them that at our daycare. And then they teach them more and all done. And oh, they, so you're, they are you've got so this cute. covered. 
Did, yeah, they did, put their little fingers together when they say more, and then they wave their hands when they're all done. Did your kids use this? Yeah. Oh, it's super helpful. It's really okay. helpful with feeding. They yes. don't do it with a lot of other things, but with feeding, it's really helpful. It was amazing to see her young baby who could not talk be able to say what she needed. It yeah. was incredible. Oh, yeah. see, you've got that covered. So it's, to anybody that hasn't doesn't have that covered, it was really amazing. And I think it has to cut down on the noise, doesn't it? Yeah, or, it totally or not does. so much. I think it's helpful. I mean, anytime you're communicating better with the baby, it's yeah. it's helpful. And when they feel heard, they feel less likely to, to scream. scream. <laughs> and then, you know, I think the other thing is too, I mean, the best thing that I've learned over over three children and and working and, and balancing all of that is I'm just not going to feel guilt. I'm just That's not going to feel it. I'm not going to feel guilt. I'm not allowing guilt. I don't think guilt makes me a better mom and it nope. doesn't make me better at my job. Nope. It doesn't make me a better wife. Nope. It doesn't make me better at anything. It nope. just makes me feel down and sad and I don't feel guilty when I eat food that maybe isn't like the best choice. And I'm not going to feel guilty about the fact that I am a working mother of three children and that not everybody is going to get every single thing for me in the perfect timing that they want it. And that's and he, just the way that it is. And here's what I would say to all of once you make that choice, once you make the choice or or let's say once you have to do it, because there are lots of working moms out there that don't have the choice. Yeah. You just have to do the best that you can wherever you are and remember to to talk to your kids. And I think that those are the conversations I've I've had with my mom about when she was working and I may have felt a little bit of neglect is if there had been more communication about the why of it and a little bit more understanding about what it meant to me, that would have gone a long way. Yeah. yeah. There were some things she did as a working mother, which I now, in hindsight, totally appreciate. I called her every day when I would get home from school. Yeah. And she had a secretary who knew if the kids are calling, she would find my mom. Yeah. And so I always appreciated that. But I think that that's the one thing that... I think the guilt, I think getting rid of the guilt of the, you've made the choice to do it. You're there. Or if you, if you have to do it, that's, this is where you are. So Mm -hmm. guilt is going to serve, isn't going to serve anybody. But I think, especially as your kids get a little bit older, the real communication about the sacrifices they may be making because you're at work, I think goes a long way. I think that's good stuff. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you how I'm doing next week. Maybe I'll be curled (laughs) up in a corner crying. For now, You're it's good. okay. And You're good. boy, may our nation find some peace and healing moving forward. Oh, amen to that. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com to subscribe to our newsletter. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? 
Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.